Gabriela Capone was 29 years old when he boarded the ship Guerra that brought him to the United States in June 1895. With him were his wife, Teresa Raiola Capone, 27, and their two sons, three-year-old Vincenzo and 17-month-old Raffaele. Although they traveled as most other Italian immigrants did, in second class or steerage, Gabriele was unlike the majority who had to indenture themselves to pay for passage, for he had a trade that paid his family's way. He was a baker, who had specialized in making pasta, which earned him a decent living in his native village of Castellamare di Stabia, just outside Naples. He was confident that his skills would easily lead to employment that would let him thrive in the new world. Gabriele was unlike his countrymen in another way. Although Naples and its surrounding villages provided one of the largest contingents of Italian immigrants to America, and many bore the fairly common surname of Capone, none of his closest relatives had left their village, so no one was waiting on the dock to greet him and ease his way. A third distinction from most of the nearly 50,000 other Italians who arrived that same year was probably most significant. He could read and write, and had acquired a smattering of English that, coupled with a natural linguistic ability, he used from the beginning to navigate the teeming perils of life in New York. A rumor surrounding his arrival has it that Gabriele did not enter the United States directly because he did not have enough money to pay the entrance fee imposed on immigrants at Ellis Island. Some of his descendants believe that he went instead to Canada and sneaked over the border, although they have no documentation to show how he would have found the money to go there if he did not have sufficient funds to leave Ellis Island. It is one of the earliest myths surrounding the origins of the Capone family in America. All that can be verified is that Gabriele Capone avoided New York's largest Italian settlement in Manhattan's crowded, crime-ridden Mulberry Bend on the Lower East Side and headed directly for Brooklyn. He had been forewarned of Mulberry Bend's dangers by the letters written by others from his village who came before him. But the tenement apartment he found in the area near the New York Naval Shipyard was not much better. Known locally as the Brooklyn Navy Yard, it was another gang-infested area of vice and crime where local thugs took turns hassling and assaulting the sailors who poured out of the main gate at the end of Navy Street. It was cheaper to live there than in Manhattan, and Gabriele thought it a possibly better place for a pasta maker to find work as a baker. However, this was not to be, and to find a way to support his family, he recreated himself as a barber. His initial plan was to find work in someone else's shop until he could save enough money to set up one of his own, but he could find no one to hire him, so he had to take whatever work was offered. There is no mystery about why he abandoned baking, for it would have cost money he did not have to set up a shop of his own, which was the same reason he did not initially become a barber with his own shop. Other Italians who could not afford to set up a shop usually practiced their trades in their homes and made enough money to scrimp by, which Gabriella could have done as well. However, he was a cautious man, which was probably why he chose instead to find steady work alongside 90% of the city's Italian population, doing day labor whenever he could find it. 
Much of it was the dirty work done under the auspices of the city's public works department, the hard and dangerous physical labor building subways, sewers, and skyscrapers that no other ethnic group was desperate enough to take. Italians had replaced the Irish at the bottom of the ethnic influx by the 1890s, when an official in city government described the situation succinctly. We can't get along without the Italians. We want someone to do the dirty work and the Irish aren't doing it any longer. Gabriele fared better than most when he was hired as a grocery store clerk because the job enabled him to read, write, and speak English a little better every day. It was different for Teresa, who was already pregnant with her third child before the boat landed, and who gave birth in 1895 to another son, Salvatore, in the Navy Street tenement. From the time they arrived, she helped her husband save money for a barber shop by taking in piecework for various garment factories, because she worked at home and because everyone in her small and closed world only spoke Italian. She had little reason to improve her English and throughout her life spoke it hesitantly. She was like most other Italian-American women of her generation, who all used the expression of going down to America when they had to venture beyond their known worlds of local tenements and shops. Teresa was representative of all their hesitations and fears because she insisted that her only safety came from within the sanctity of the family which she always gathered close about her. Whether by accident or design, there were no more children until 1899, when Gabriele was finally able to set up his own shop in a slightly better neighborhood at number 69 on Brooklyn's elegantly named Park Avenue, a street whose quality of life was far removed from its Manhattan counterpart. He moved his growing family into an apartment above the shop where they were living when their first child conceived in the New World, Alphonse, was born on January 17, 1899. Teresa had hoped this pregnancy would result in a girl who would mark the end of her childbearing years, but neither was to be. <laughs> 